following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon, everybody. Wow, you look so good today. Come on, clap real big. You look real good. Clap like you feel I bragged on you, all right? Yeah, you look good. Now act right, okay? You look good, so act right. I got a buddy that thinks the better you dress, the better you hit the golf ball. He has not proved that yet, but uh, we're working on that. What a joy to see all of you today, and it is an honor. Uh, it's an honor to, to be here today with you. Patty and I feel very blessed to be able to pastor this congregation, and when I say able, it's with the hand of God in our life. Can't do it by ourselves. But I do appreciate the presence of the Holy Ghost coming in this house. I do appreciate the Holy Spirit coming in this house. And uh, on Wednesday night, this last Wednesday night, we had Brother John Garza up here on the stage with us. And he, uh, he has, he's in remission from stomach cancer that should have took his life in 2016. And he's still here. And, and the doctor said his cancer is gone. And that, isn't that an awesome thing? You know, just... You think we could do that? No. That's why we praise him. That's why we praise him. Even when we're not even solicited to praise him, we praise him because he's worthy of our praise. We've been singing every service, and so if you want to hear me sing, go to the second or the first service. Because I'm going to have a baby dedication here, and we'll sing at the end of the service today. But I'd ask you to stand, and all the mothers, all, would y'all stand, all the mothers and all the people that are going to dedicate your children. I'm going to preach a little bit first, and we'll dedicate at the end. Can everybody stand? Can you hear me? Can you? I know what you thought. You thought I was having all the mothers that were going to dedicate their baby stand. I said it wrong. I take the blame, all right? It's not your fault. It's my... <laughs> Lord, help me. Amen. Amen. That's funny. If you're a brand new person here today, we welcome you. If you're a, if you're a 35-year member, we welcome you. If you're somewhere in between, we welcome you and we thank you for being here. But Wednesday night, we're doing a series called Sermons I Want to Preach. And it's a four-week series and so it's not anything that's going to follow some kind of order, but we're having church here on Wednesday night and we've got another beautiful miracle to show you on Wednesday night. Another beautiful miracle because God's done miracles in our church and uh, he shows up and he does miracles in a beautiful way. So today I'm going to preach a little bit, then at the end of service we're going to dedicate your children. I hope you can, can hold them quiet for about the next 28 minutes or so. I won't be much longer than that, I promise. And we'll, uh, we'll dedicate those kids, and we love to do that, and it's an honor to do that. I'm speaking today, it's a standalone message, but I'm speaking what I feel in my heart. I'm going to preach a sermon called Called Out. Say it with me, Called Out. Called Out. Notice there's an exclamation point there. And uh, I'm going to call you out today. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to help the pastor. You may be seated. God bless you. God bless you. I love our prayer team that prays for people up here. I love it so much. It's just a, a vital part of what we do. 
And I think it's one of the reasons that God sends a lot of people here that need help because they know help comes from the sanctuary. And there's help in this house. I feel like God's calling us out, folks. I really do. From an effective church to a prevailing church. From a strong church to a church movement. I really believe that. I don't know if you've noticed outside, but uh, probably by next Sunday there'll be concrete out there that you can walk on. We're going to pour a foundation. The called out ones in the Bible were called the ecclesia, the called out ones. And I know sometimes it can be unnerving to be in a new space or a new place. Some are still trying to make sense of God and attempting to figure out who this Jesus is. I know I don't talk to people, many of you that do not know the Lord and have not met the Lord the way you want to meet him. I just want you to know, if this makes you nervous, just know I'm like that doctor on on TV, it comes in the, the operating room and he said, asked the guy, I said, Are you nervous? He said, yes. He said, I am too. <laughs> but we'll figure it out. I have learned that God cannot be predicted. He's not controllable. He's sovereign. And what I have tried to do as a pastor is not try to get God to move to what I'm doing, but get over there and find out what he's doing and get under that cloud and let God just do it here. He fills us with anticipation, expectation. And we understand that even though we set up the program, we didn't actually call the meeting. It was called by him. This is his church. He bought this church with his own blood. And what we desire for you is to know how profoundly and completely in this house today you are loved. God sees you and he knows you. And today he's calling you out. Anybody here like being called out publicly? I got called out in church one time when I was a kid. About 30 people saw it. That's all we had in church. And I was on the back row and I was talking. And I think I had my head down because I was chewing a big old wad of bubble gum. And the preacher said, Rex, I want you to come down and sit on the front row. Well, all he needed to say was that. My dad came back and grabbed me by the ear and pulled me down. I mean, I mean, pulled me to the front row. And that's why this ear is out here real bad. I'm teasing I had an English teacher one time call me a little donkey in class. I think she wanted to use that other word for a donkey. But she called me a little donkey and she came around and said I was stubborn. And she was always pulling this ear. Really, that's serious. So I've got these lobes because I've been pulled on a whole bunch. But you get called out because it was you and though you did it, you didn't want to own it. See, we've got this thing called social media day. Anybody know about social media? It's become a tsunami of finding people to blame. And seeing them in their worst moments, it's creating inside of our culture a dark, dark energy. And we're now accustomed to opening up the outside world, discovering who blew it today and who messed up today, who fell short today. And we can talk about today. And we talk about who we can talk about today because we love it, see, now in our culture to find the moment when that person on the pedestal comes falling down and tumbling down. And then tomorrow we can talk about somebody else because it's always somebody else. And I think sometimes the reason people are so apprehensive to be in a spiritual space is because they know they're going to get called out. But the difference in who's calling you out is not the news media. It's the God of heaven. So today I'm going to fulfill your greatest nightmare. I'm going to call you out. I really am. I'm going to call you out in a way that I hope will change your life forever. In a way that you'll always want to be called out again and again and again. 
You know, I find it interesting, folks, that every athlete, no matter how good he or she is, has a coach. Track stars, football stars, basketball stars, baseball stars, hitting coaches, receiver coaches, linebacker coaches. Even tennis players who are not required to have a coach have a coach. Serena Williams is on the screen. The greatest female athlete in the world, according to Sports Illustrated, has a coach. In fact, she was accused of being coached recently during one of her matches. <laughs> who would ever think that Serena Williams needed to be coached? I'm not going to go tell her that because I don't want that racket upside my head. <laughs> However, people who step into greatness know they need a coach and they need a true coach who calls out athletes' greatness and doesn't allow them to be satisfied with whatever level of accomplishment they have achieved. We're not talking about status quo here, folks. We're not talking about mediocrity. We're not talking about average. We're talking about the best athletes in the world that need someone to call them out so they can actually step up. And this is exactly what God does to his people. He calls us out. Because we were made in his image, creating his likeness. When he looks in us, he sees a mirror image of himself. Woo, hallelujah. And he wants to call us out. He's the ultimate coach. And so God calls us out and he calls out of us those things that would stay dormant within us if he did not speak it into us. Small groups are wonderful. I love CR, the CR team in our church, the Celebrate Recovery team. Let's give them a hand. I love CR. I love small groups. We have Nine, count them, nine freedom groups because people want to know freedom in their life. Men calling men to a higher plane, women calling women to the same. There's a scripture I want to read in John chapter one. It's going to be a little lengthy. It's the only thing that's be lengthy in my statements today, but it's a good news translation. It goes something like this. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, come with me. And Philip was from Bethsaida. Listen to this real close now, the town where Andrew and Peter lived. And Peter found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one whom Moses wrote about in the book of the law and whom the prophets also wrote about. He's Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Can any good thing come from Nazareth, Nathanael asked. Come and see, answered Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, he said about him, now watch this. He said about him, here's a real Israelite. There's nothing false in him. Nathanael asked him, how do you know me? Jesus answered, I saw you when you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Teacher, answered Nathanael, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And Jesus said, do you believe just because I told you I saw you when you was under the fig tree? You'll see much greater things than this. And he said to them, all of them there, there must have been a crowd. I'm telling you the truth. You will see heaven open and God's angels coming up and down on the son of man. Going up and coming down. Now here, here's Jesus, folks, pulling together this group, this unique group of individuals upon whom the future of humanity would rest. And once a person meets Jesus, there's just something happens. They start bringing people that they know to meet Jesus as well because Jesus fulfills things in your life that nobody else does. By the way, when Philip met him, he wasn't given instructions on how to recruit people. He didn't go to Soul Winning 101. He didn't go to a class. He wasn't even given any command to go do it. Nobody said to him, you need to go and recruit the people that you have influence over. He just did it naturally. The reason that Philip does this is because he's been searching for this hope and he found it in Jesus. And when he found Jesus, he wanted to go tell everybody that I have found the one who is 
the one that Moses talked about. Please realize this, the entire economy of the movement of Jesus is relational. Say relational. This is not about laws and edicts and it's not about borders and, and trust. It's not about all that. It's about relationship. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've got to have a relationship with somebody that you love. You've got to have a relationship with somebody that you listen to. And Jesus is the author of our relationship. It's all about connecting to one another and then connecting each other to the God created us. We have to have relationship if we're going to continue in this thing called Christianity. In verse 47, it says, when Jesus saw Nathanael, I want you to see those four words. See, the story of Jesus and Nathanael begins not with Nathanael seeing Jesus, but Jesus seeing Nathanael. I believe most of us think that our story with God begins when we start searching for God. But long before you started searching for God, God was searching for you. And one day you just kind of ran into him because he'd been on your trail for a long time. He said in John 15, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I came so that your fruit would remain. And I'm here to declare to you folks, aren't you glad that God let you run into him one day? And you thought you were searching for it, he found you because he'd been looking for you for a long time. Give him praise and thanks because he is the savior that you were looking for. Now watch this. Jesus sees Nathanael coming to him and he said about him, here's a real Israelite. There's nothing false in him. The first thing Jesus ever says about Nathanael, last name Bartholomew, the last thing, first thing he ever says is he's a real Israelite and there's nothing false in him. I wonder what would be the first thing he'd say about us, you, me. To some it's a little terrifying. It'll mess you up some right now. But here's why I think most people are afraid of what God will say about them. Can I preach a little bit? It's because they've been hearing people who believe in God and have a relationship with God, talk on God's behalf. And their words have been filled with judgment and condemnation and sin questions. And so we assume that God is a judge and a condemner because the people that know him talk that way. And we assume the first thing God's going to talk about is everything that's wrong with us and everything that makes us inadequate and unworthy. If that's so, please go ask the adulterous woman how he spoke to her when she was caught in the very act. Somebody help me with that. I believe her name was Mary Magdalene. And I believe she was at the tomb when he was resurrected. There was something he said that drew her to him that was greater than anything he said that hurt her feelings. Tell me about the woman that had the issue of blood for 12 years. Nobody would come around her. But when Jesus was there and she touched his garment, he said, daughter, 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 thy faith has made thee whole. He called her a part of his family. Somebody tell me about a man named Peter who used to be a man named Simon. How did God get a rock out of a reed? Tell me about a man named Saul. I'm preaching to you right now who had letters in his pocket was gonna take the whole church out in Damascus and God knocked him down and he turned him around and when he was baptized, he changed his name to Paul and he wrote the whole half of a New Testament. I'm declaring there's something about this God. He doesn't hear, he ain't here to throw you under the bus. He's here to lift you and to help you and to speak to you and to tell you everything that you need to hear. He's calling you out. He's calling. That's why so many people are terrified of ever entering any space where God might be because who wants to be called out for everything that's wrong with you and 
you already know what's wrong with you. Hear me. I don't want you to confuse God with the people who believe in God because if you think the first thing God would ever say about you is what's wrong with you, you don't know the God I preach about today. Somebody say hallelujah to that. Whew. I love that. The first thing that Jesus ever says about Nathaniel is here is an Israelite whom there is nothing false. I ain't never whistled in the pulpit like that. That felt pretty good. Jesus is calling out the good in him. He just met him and he's calling out the good in him. See, he wasn't looking for a man faultless, but a man falseless. Jesus wasn't interested in the man's faults. He was interested in the man's heart. And if you'll listen carefully, if you'll ever pay attention enough to hear the voice of God, you will hear God call out the good in you. He says, here is a true Israelite. See, God is looking, God is not looking for no fault. He's looking for no false. He's not looking for faultless. He's looking for falseless. Oh, some of you are going to grab that after a while and you're going to wake up tonight and say, God, I got it, I got it, I got it. Here's what I want to declare. When Jesus looks at Nathaniel and says to him, here's a true Israelite, he's actually calling out everyone around Nathaniel. And they thought that being a real Israelite was all about your birth and your genetics and about the color of your skin and the blood type and your family life. But what they didn't remember was that the name Israel came from a man named Jacob. who was named deceiver and supplanter and beguiler by his parents. But God saw something on the inside of that man. His, mother's, his mother and dad named him Jacob because he cheated everybody. But God saw something down in him. And he knew if he could ever get that out of him, just pull that out of him. See, there's an Israel in all of us. I don't care what your sin is. There's an Israel in all of us. There's something that God wants to birth out of us. And it took a wrestling match at Peniel in Genesis 32. And it was all night long with an angel. And when the morning break, the angel said, let me go. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And this was one struggle that God did not want to win. He wanted to lose this one because he knew if he could ever birth, oh my God, he could ever birth what he saw in that young man and not what his parents and religious people called him. And some of you have been listening to the wrong voice and I'm calling you out today. There's something inside of you that God wants to pull out of you and it's a name that's above every name. It's a name that only God can give you. Mm. Everybody say Israel. It means Israel. I want you to know that when God calls you a wrestler, when he sees you struggling with your faith and struggling with God. He's actually affirming you. He's calling you Israel. And all the Israel nations started 
by a man whose religious parents had named him a supplanter, a deceiver, and a cheat. But when God saw him, he said, there's an, there's an Israel coming out of him. There's an Israel. And I want to declare to this congregation, I don't care what anybody tells you. God is not here to condemn you. He didn't come to condemn, he came to save you. And I declare to you right now that what you think is gonna be your greatest problem is gonna be your greatest victory because Almighty God sees something inside of you, hallelujah. He's calling you a real Israelite indeed in whom is no false. How many truly love the Lord today? Would you just clap your hands? Come on, you love him, come on. You love him. I love unsolicited praise and worship. I worry about people who have never wrestled or struggled with their faith. I've struggled with mine. You get it right all the time. It's like, well, I got that figured out. Well, good. Well, good. I'm glad you got it. We look like our lives pretending that we don't need God. We don't need forgiveness. We don't need healing. I got this figured out. God can't help us. You know, God can work through endless volumes of faults but he cannot help us if we choose to be false. I'm gonna say that. Well, I don't guess I have time to say that again. Did you get it? Leave it on the board a little longer, Sister Sarah. Leave it on the board a little longer. The first thing Jesus says about Nathaniel is he calls out the good in him. When was the last time someone called out good in you? See, I think if we're gonna be that church, we're gonna be that that kingdom that God wants us to be in this city and in this world. We have to start talking good about people. We have to start talking good about people because if Jesus doesn't point out our sins but points out the blessings he wants to put on us and the spirit he sees in us and the Israeli attitude that we have, if he can do that, why can't I see that in people? I don't want people to have something they have to crawl over to get to Jesus because of me. I am so glad the prodigal son met his father before he met his brother on the way home. Because if he'd have met his brother, he'd have never had a dinner at the father's house. There never would have been a fatted calf. There never would have been a robe and a ring because his brother had all kinds of alt in his heart against him. And he was a man that had stayed in the kingdom. Now here's what I want to declare. I want to tell you something. It's time for this church to understand that Jesus sees what you can be, not what you are right now. You know what? Go ahead and clap your hands. That's all right. That's all right. Go ahead. You know, if you spent your life trying to catch people doing good, it probably would terrify some of them. Hey, I saw that. Don't you think for one minute I didn't see what you just did? What'd you see? I saw you help that little lady across the street. I saw you get that cup of coffee that you wanted, coffee that you wanted to drink. You gave to somebody that couldn't get to the counter in time, and you went and got you another cup. I saw you pay for that people's meal at that restaurant. I saw that. Wouldn't that be great if those kind of things would start happening in our world? I am determined to not allow this church to settle. I may not be the coach, but I am the assistant coach. Amen. 
And I'm not going to let you settle for less. I'm not going to let you settle for status quo and the mediocrity of life. I want you to get above average. I want this church, you know, it's good, better, best. <laughs> you got to be the best that you can be in the kingdom of God. And we've got to speak words like he would speak words. That doesn't mean that we don't, that we don't hate sin, but we love the sinner that's carrying the sin. Because Jesus sees people and he sees potential in them and we've got to see the same pole in people that Jesus saw in us. That's why he saved us, amen. Come on, clap your hands real big. You know, I'm tired of donut, donut tire living. I'm tired of it. How many of you ever had a donut tire in your car? One of them little donuts. You know, you have a flat. Flats can mess you up, can't they? They can mess you up. And so you get in that trunk and supposed to be this big and it's this big. And it says on it real plain, don't go over 45 miles an hour, don't go over 50 miles. But invariably, we're still on that donut tire a month later. And we're driving laid over crooked. <laughs> hey, y'all doing? Pretty good. Why don't we, when we have a flat in our life, why don't we bring it to the chief mechanic in our world and let him fix us up and not put a donut tire on it and go to Krispy Kreme to get you donuts? Come on. Let's don't, let's don't live a donut tire life in our life. Let's be equipped with everything that God has for us. He sees you as he wants you to be. Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no false. That's how he sees us. That's how he witnesses to us. That's how he wants us in his kingdom. You know, I, uh, I, I was limping through life when I was a kid and, 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 and I didn't know that I would ever do what I'm doing today. And I told you about the man that came to me when I was 16, 17 years old and he put his arm around me. He used a word that I'd never heard in my life about me. He called me champion. Then I went off to college and I was down in Longview and I went to Longview because there was a man down there that preached grace. His name was John Kershaw preach grace and I went down and God started dealing with me and in a prayer room one day in a prayer room God called me out I was in there by myself and he called me out and he told me things that if I told you today you'd think I was arrogant or that I wasn't but he told me things that was going to happen in my life he spoke to me directly he said this is what I see this is what you are it's what you'll become I go down to a I go down to a Bible study in San Marcos uh, every other Thursday. And when I tell you that there's some guys down there, if you look at them just from the natural eye, you'd think, oh, God, if you save these, we just, we'll just have another Red Sea here. Because it's, it's, it's amazing what, what you run into out there. But there's an old boy that was a three-time, three-time he had three, 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 three tours in Vietnam. And he got up and he, he talked about his tours in Vietnam and he said, I hate preachers. I just hate them. Because the chaplains in Vietnam were just trying to get away from the battle. They, they really wasn't chaplains. They didn't care about us. And so I hate all preachers. I said, well, I'm glad I'm here today. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> He's coming to church Wednesday night. Because, you know, it don't matter. It don't matter what people say, God says, I see something in you, sir. I see something in you. 
you're going to love as much as you've hated because I put a bald-headed man in your life. <laughs> There's another guy down there that's been a, been a road manager for one of the greatest singers, country music singers ever was. He was an atheist. And coming to that breakfast, he became an agnostic. And the other day, I heard him quoting scriptures. And he pulled me over, and he pulled me over, and he said, can I come to your church? And I said, what? Can you come to my church? It ain't my church, but yes, you can come to the church. He said, I got to get my girlfriend convinced that it's a good place to go. It better be good when I get there, preacher. And I told him he'd love our music, had to put up with me. That's what I always say. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. I saw what God's doing. See, what I would say is cast off. What I would say, you hate me, so I'd hook you. Go on. Oh, you, you. Get out of here. Go back to Oklahoma, wherever you came from. But when I know the God that I'm preaching about today, he sees something in them. Mm, mm. He sees, oh my God, I'm, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost right now. He sees, he's calling them out. And before you know it, they're going to take the plunge and be born again. And, and I'm going to be preaching some more. I got to close. Go ahead, coach. You know what? What the world likes to do, though, they like to pull you down when you get called out. They like to pull you down and say, ah, it's just, you just ate too much pizza. That wasn't, that wasn't a godly thing. That God didn't speak to you. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. You know, I, when I lived in Louisiana, Pastor, they, they used to crab. They, they'd hunt crabs. They never had to put a, a lid on the bucket of a crab, crab bucket because when one of those crabs tried to call out, the other was pull them back down. And that's the way the world is. They try to pull you down when you get this revelation from God, you get this illumination from God that God's doing something in your life, that you are special, that you matter. Ooh, I feel the Lord here today. But you just crawl on out of that bucket. We're not going to put a lid on you here. Crawl on out of that bucket. Put a little kick on them and say, leave me alone. Not today, Satan. Hallelujah. I'm coming out of here. In the name of the Lord, I got to close. Jesus told Nathaniel, Philip called you, but I saw you hiding in the fig trees. I want to show you a fig tree here. Some of you folks don't understand what, look how, look how dense that is. See, Adam and Eve tried to hide behind those things too. And when they couldn't do it, the first couple, Philip thought, I mean, Nathaniel thought, I can get behind there and I can watch what goes by and they'll never see me. And even though you can't see them physically, the Lord saw him in his spirit. He said, I saw you. You know, the fig tree. In other words, he's saying, there's nothing you can do. There's no place you can hide that can keep me away from you. Because I love you and I'm going to heal you. I'm going to deliver you and I'm going to save you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands real big. Real big, real big, real big. Randy, if you'll help me. Randy, if you'll help me. If you'll help me, Randy. Amen. I, uh, I want to close with this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to skip some things that I wanted to say, but I'll close with this. It's time to dedicate babies. Some of you are living in a chaotic world and you want that world to be calm and you want that world to be right. Let me, let me give you a little closing here. Don't ever forget what I'm about to tell you right now. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. 
And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, it's not so much about what God created. It's about who spoke. The world was chaotic. It was in chaos. It was dark. It was null. It was void. And God said, see, when God speaks, he can't speak anything but truth. Nothing but truth comes out of him. It's impossible for God to lie. Somebody help me up here right now. If he even tried to lie, he, 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 lying is not even in him. He can't lie. Let God be true. Let every man be a liar, the Bible says. God speaks truth. And so if you want to get out of your chaotic world, you shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. It'll make you free. You want your world to get right? Get the false out. He's not worried about your faults. He's worried about your false. Get your false out. And say, God, I need you. Help me in my world. I want calm. I don't want chaos anymore. Everybody say amen. Amen. Clap your hands for the word today. I love you. I love you.